0: All right. Good. Welcome, Sarah. You can, if you want. If it gets noisy, you can shut the door too, if you want. If it's nice breeze, then go for it. It's not too noisy. All right. Well, let me pray. Get us started, Father. We thank you for this uh, day that we've already had. We've experienced a lot. And we've gotten to worship you and just lift your name and God, at least in word that we have said that you are Lord, that we've said that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who has come, the one who has risen from the dead, the one who has died for our sins, the one who will come again and you are our hope and with you we will rise because of your resurrection. I love that line, God, that your last breath was the, that is the life that lives in us and is our hope And we know that we will have hope. We do have hope. And I pray that you would just impart that to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. May we see you more clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If there is one truth that I hope that we could just totally internalize and totally come to grips with, it would be this. One truth about the good news It would be that God looks like Jesus. That when we look at Jesus, we see what God is really like. And that any conception or perception of how God views someone, how God views a certain situation, or how God views certain lifestyles, my desire would be that we would run that through the, percept, the the lens or the filter of Jesus and his life and his work and his way. That God looks like Jesus. God has always looked like Jesus. We've not always known this, but now we do. In uh, Hebrews 1, it says, Long ago, At many times and in many different ways, God has spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the entire world. He is the radiance, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So when we look at Jesus, we are seeing God. And anything that is confusing about God, even in the scriptures, that needs to be run through the lens and the filter of Jesus and what we need, what we know to be true of Jesus. John uh, 1, I think I have that up there, do I? Yes, John 1.18, this beautiful passage of, of the Word becoming flesh, of God becoming man, and moving into our neighborhood, moving into our space. The end of that beautiful um, poem is this, no one has ever seen God, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, Jesus, has made him known. Who makes Jesus known, or who makes God known, the unknown God? Jesus. That word is exegesis. It's this word to explain, to draw out, to make clear, to make understandable. So Jesus makes God known. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. You look at his words, you look at his works, you look at his way, and you have the most clear revelation of who God is. So today, we are going to see how Jesus reveals God's heart for those who despise Him, those who reject Him, those who uh, even give God the finger. I won't tell you which finger. But the ones who who defy God, who reject God, who blaspheme God. And Jesus shows us how God, what God's heart is, to sinners, rebellious sinners, and what his posture is towards those sinners. And what we find is that Jesus reveals God's heart towards a rebellious and murderous people is uh, sorrow rooted in compassion. God's response, if we look at Jesus and how he responds to the rebellious, the wicked, and those who resist him, his response is sorrow rooted in compassion. Our sin is God's sorrow when we look at Jesus. We're going to look at Matthew 23, 37-39. You can look that up in your Bibles if you want. There's Bibles in the back if you want, NIV, or you can read it on the screen. But here is Jesus And here's the context. We'll read it in a minute. But the context here is this is Jesus' last time in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the holy city of God that's supposed to be um, kind of the flagship city of God and His love and His mercy. And here Jesus is in Jerusalem for the last time, and He's being rejected, He's being resisted, He's being pushed out. And the next time He returns to Jerusalem, it's going to be to be crucified on a cross. And so this is his last words. And right before we get to this passage, this is the very end of a really long uh, speech that Jesus is giving to the Pharisees. He's he's speaking the seven woes, seven warnings. And he says, the Pharisees are the religious leaders, are the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious teachers. And Jesus has just given them seven woes saying You are headed for destruction. You are headed for um, horrific things, and you're bringing the whole nation with you. All the world is going with you because of your lies. And he's warning them and warning them and saying they are going to the pit, basically. And then it's almost as if he stops. It's almost as if he stops and he looks at the people and he looks at the faces of those that are listening to him, the crowds and the Pharisees, and he looks at their hatred and he looks at their anger and they're, they're, they're giving him dagger eyes, and they're, he, he looks at this, and he is overwhelmed with sadness. He's overwhelmed with sorrow. He's overwhelmed with grief, and he gives this lament. He cries out in grief and in sorrow, he says, "Oh Jerusalem, Oh Jerusalem!" Who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her? You reject everyone that God sends to you with a message of hope and love and life. He says, how often, how often have I wanted, have I longed to gather your children together as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and yet you were not willing. He says, behold, your house is, Is left to you desolate, for I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus cries out in just grief and sorrow in response to their hatred and the rejection of him. So he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and this is. Like I said, the city of Jerusalem was, be, was to be the city of peace. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, the city of Jerusalem is supposed to be the sign of God's peace and His wholeness and His love. And Jerusalem is supposed to, is, contains the temple of God, where all nations are supposed to be welcomed and gathered to worship the name, the one true God, Yahweh. And instead, the city, instead of it being a city of peace, it's become a city of violence, a city of disunity. Instead of drawing all nations to itself, it has become a place where they push all nations away. It's become a place of religious obligation and burden. It's become a place where they pile on burdens too much for the weak and the oppressed and the poor. It has become the exact opposite of what God desired it to be, a symbol of his hope, and peace, and love. And they've rejected Him. And, and so God has sent throughout history, you see it all throughout the, the story of, of, of Scripture, He sent prophets. He sent messengers with the message of God's love and hope. And he, they, they're saying, Repent! Turn around! Turn around! You're going the wrong way. This way you're going leads to destruction. And the people continually reject that message. They take the very messengers of God, and they beat them, they kill them, they stone them. And the last one that happened is a contemporary of Jesus, John the Baptist, right, who proclaims a message of repentance, turn around, you're going the wrong way, Israel. And what do they do to him? You know? Behead him. Yes, behead him. Good. They behead him. And this is a contemporary of Jesus. And so, Jesus sees this, and his response to their hatred, his response to their anger, is not vengefulness, right? It's not revenge, it's not anger, it's, not, it's, it's sadness, it's sorrow, it's lament. Our sin is God's sorrow. But why? Why is our sin God's sorrow? Why is our rejection of him his sorrow? Look at verse 38. It says, your house is left to you desolate. Your house is left to you desolate. Our sin is god 's sorrow because our sin is our destruction. All right? Our sin is our destruction, and so God looks at this. Sin is basically going against the way that God has designed the world to function, and when we go in that, that way He has designed the world to function is a way, the, according to the way of love. And when we go against the grain of that love, we get splinters. If, you run, if I were to run my hand along this rough wood against the grain, I would get splinters in my hand. And so living against the grain of God's love, is, is, the consequences of that is our destruction, is our pain. And so he looks at our sin and he sees our destruction and that brings him sorrow. It brings him grief. When he, what he's referring to here when he says in verse 38 that your house will be left to you desolate is an actual historical event yet to happen, but Jesus, Jesus foresees it. He sees that the way of Israel, the way that they're going, the way of their sin is actually going to lead to their destruction, and he prophesies And he prophesies their house will be destroyed. This is, happens in 70 AD when the Romans go into Israel and go into Jerusalem, and ransack it, and destroy it, and level the temple, and destroy the temple. This happens in 70 AD, and this is universally seen by scholars as the result of Israel's continued rebellion, and sin, and refusal to walk the way of God's love, and the way of God's peace, and they're just leveled by the Romans. And so the same is true of us. What, God, what grieves God is that He sees our sin. He sees our sin. And it's not that so much that He wants... He's not waiting. It's not that it's an offense against Him, although it is. But what, what brings Him sorrow is that it is a destruction to the people that He's created and made to be in His image. Every time we sin, we mar the image of God made in us. Every time we sin, we go against the grain of his love and we invite our own destruction and it grieves the heart of God. So our sin is our destruction. And we see this in our, in our life. I was just talking to a, a, a friend of mine who's on the streets and he was in front of my house and he was just really down yesterday. And so I sat in the hot sun and got a sunburn as I, I listened to him right here, only right here. I hurt last night, sunburn on my knee. But he was talking about his, he was just in tears. And he said his, he was so frustrated because his girlfriend, who's also on the street, is, is just making decision after decision that is leading to her own destruction. She has five kids and all of them are in, either they're in foster care or they're in um, with her mom. She she is addicted to meth amphetamines and she is now started to sell herself to pay for this drug for $10 just to get drugs and he it's just ruining her life and each choice that she makes and so many of these choices and here's what I want to what we say a lot around here is that so much of this pattern of her life is also the result of sin committed against her But our sin is our own destruction and it is others' destruction, right? And so she is repeating patterns and responding to sins committed against her and she's committing, she's walking away. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And the sin is her destruction and it is killing her. And so God looks at this and he's heartbroken. He laments. He laments as he sees the destruction and the path that they're going for. And he's reflecting the heart of God. So 2 Peter Peter 3.9. This is a great verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. This promise is that He will return. That He will return. But He's not slow, as some count slowness. He is patient with you. Why is He waiting to come back? Because... He's patient with you to come back. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So God's heart is not that any would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. So here Jesus reveals God's posture towards sinner is, I want to say it a different way. It's not to punish, but it is to protect. God's heart and posture towards sinners is not to punish, but it's to protect. We hear, we know the verse in Romans 3, 23, I think, the wages of sin is death, right? The cost of sin is death. But the cost of sin is death is not because if you sin, God is waiting with a spear to just nail you. The wages of sin is death because sin brings death. Like the way of sin leads to death. The way that goes against the flow of God's love is not how we were designed. It's not how we were designed to live. And so we go on the path of destruction. And so God is not poised to punish us. He is poised to protect us. He's poised to protect us from the sin and the death that threatens to destroy you. So look, let's revisit this because I want to. Hit, and the reason why we're talking about this is because I'm like it's Mother's Day, and usually I don't like to give sappy Mother's Day uh, messages. And this isn't a sappy Mother's Day message, I don't think. But this, that that the in many ways, motherhood uh, reflects a, a heart and an aspect of God, and here we see that Jesus reflects this. He says, "Look at look at," he says, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets." And stones those who are sent to her. How often, how often have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing? So, I want to show you this if I can do it, okay? Let's try it, okay? I'm going to try this. And it's going to be tricky because our technology is not great. This isn't sagebrush, folks. All right, here we go. If I can get the... It's going to be good, though, if the internet works. Go. Yes? Watch this, okay? This is a real-life action. There's no sound, so don't worry. But this is what a hen will do when there is a threat of attack, and she clucks, she gives a warning sign, and her chicks come underneath her and she gets in a te- like defense mode, and if you try to come over her, she protects them. You can't get to them, right? Look at that. They're all huddled under there, and a hawk that's circling or a storm that is threatening to sweep away these chicks, they can't get to her. They have to go through the hen to get to the chick. See, look at all those under there. Isn't that amazing? Look at that. So we'll try to go back. Oh, man. Here we go. Where's my mouse? Oh, there's my link. Look at that. All right. So the memorable quote. Are you ready? God is more like a hen than a hawk, okay? God is a hen, not a hawk. He's a mother hen that seeks to protect his children from destruction and from the destruction that comes from sin, not a hawk that seeks to, when you wander outside of his will, bam, snag you and attack you. All right? God's posture towards us is one of protection from the destructiveness of sin. He's not the executioner for the penalty of sin. He's like a hen. His heart is revealed in Jesus and his posture is one of of protection, not of punishment. And so look at this, that, that when a hen senses this threat, like I said, she calls her chicks to her and they come running underneath her wings and you're not going to get to her chicks unless you go through her. And this is exactly what Jesus does, God does in Jesus. He calls, he spreads out his wings, if you allow me this, on the cross, and he calls all to come to him, come underneath the protection of my wings. And he absorbs the, the wrath and the penalty and the weight and the condemnation and the shame and the guilt of the world on himself. And he stands in the way and he stands to protect. And he calls all to come underneath his wings. And when we come underneath his wings, think of it as his way. We take faith in His way and His will and His work and His life and His death and His resurrection. But when we wander outside of that or when we f- refuse to come underneath that protection, we are vulnerable to the storms. We're vulnerable to the circling hawks. And He's saying, come, come, come. Protecting, protecting, protecting. And so we see this in, in, in God's, all throughout Jesus' life, Right? He's constantly calling people under his protection. But we see it so clearly on the cross, right? Father, forgive them, the very ones that are rejecting him, the very ones that are hurling insults at him, the very ones who are mocking him. He says, Father, forgive them. And he takes on the murderous rage of the world upon himself. He takes on the destruction and the desolation of sin upon himself so that all of us can come underneath the shelter of of his wings. So the call of God in Jesus is to come. Come, come underneath my wings. Seek the protection. Don't wander off. Because when you wander off, that hawk, a chick is completely helpless, isn't is Isn't it? Complete I don't know of a more helpless animal than a little baby chick. It can't even stand the fluctuation of temperature, right? It It needs its mother. It needs that shelter. It needs that protection. And that's what Jesus offers us. Our sin is God's sorrow. He sees the destructive path of our sin. He sees us wandering around in the chicken yard and all that threatens us. And he says, come. He desires to protect us and save us from it. So the question is, there's a question with this. Are we willing? Are we willing? You notice in verse 38, it says, I longed, I longed to have you come underneath my wings. I long for you to stop going the path of destruction. And yet you were not willing. You were not willing. See, God is not going to coerce you or force you under his wings. You know, he's inviting you. He's come all the way. He says, come under my wings. But he's not going to coerce you with an invitation to which you respond. Are you going to come under his wings? And that's the question that we have for us. So God, this is a, John, an early follower of Jesus, said that God has given us eternal life. He's given us the shelter underneath His wings. And this life is in His Son, Jesus. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. If you are under the wings of, of, of God, you have life. You have protection. You are in the way of God. You're going with the grain of his love, if you wander outside or refuse to seek shelter underneath his wings, you do not have life. And so we have a a decision to make. And so I have just two, I think there's two questions to be asked as we close here. The question is, do you have the son? Have you said yes to his invitation to come underneath his wings? Have you said yes Seek shelter. And what this what this really means, we hear this word, to, to come under the way that we do that is to repent and to believe. These are two biblical words, repent and believe. But what repent means is that we recognize that we're little chicks in great danger of destruction like we're wandering around the chicken yard and we're about to get snagged by a hawk or we're going to die cuz of the cold or a storm threatens to kill us like we cannot make it to repent means to have a change of mind to have the perspective of God to have the kingdom of God in mind and to see the light so to repent means oh man I'm an exposed little chick that needs the shelter of Jesus and he's made that possible. He's invited me in. So to repent, to say, I need that, to believe, is to actually step underneath it. To step underneath the protection and the way of Jesus, to submit yourself under his wings, and to say, I not only acknowledge that life lived on my own terms leads to destruction, I believe that life under Jesus is life. It's eternal life, it's kingdom life, it's hope, it's love, it's peace. So I'd ask, have you come underneath his protection to repent and to believe? But if you have, if you have come underneath his wings, my question would be, are you inviting and urging others in to come underneath the wings of God, to come seek shelter and security and peace. Do you have the same urgency and fervency that Jesus displayed when he saw the people rejecting God and he his heart breaks because he sees that they're exposed. He sees that they are headed down the path of destruction. And we see that all around us, don't we? And we do we does our heart break for it? Do we desire to invite people in to the security and to the peace and to the shelter of God, of His wings. And the way we do this, the way we invite, I think is we invite people to experience life under His wings. So as we eat together as we share life in our homes together, as we gather together on a Sunday afternoon, as you open your doors and open your tables and open your hands in service, each time you do that, you're inviting someone to experience life underneath the shelter of God's wings. This is what it looks like for the family of God to be underneath. The, the security and the protection of Jesus. This is what life feels like. This is the security and the peace and the unity that we can have all huddled underneath the wings of Jesus, on mission with Jesus. And so every time we invite someone, they get a taste of that. They get an experience of that. But it's not only enough to give someone the experience of that. We also have to give some explanation to it. We have to, in our deeds, provide experience of the life and the life of God, we also need to use our words and explain what they've experienced. Like, wow, that's a really unique thing you guys have going. That's a, man, that's the first time I've been invited to anyone's home and sat around the table like that. Wow, there's lots of diversity there. There's, there seems to be a peace there, and we can be like, yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? Or we can say, you know where that peace comes from? It Comes from Jesus. It comes from. The fact that we know that Jesus has, has, has lived the life we couldn't live and died the death that should have been ours and, and, and gives us victory over the enemy that we couldn't defeat. And, and we have security because we're under the wings of, 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 of Jesus, of God. And so we bring explanation as well as experience as we're led by the Holy Spirit. And then I want to say just one more thing in regards to this. Some of you... Might be under his wings, but there's a giant storm swirling all around you, and it's scary. And there's tons of hawks, and you're underneath the mother hen. You're underneath Christ, but you are terrified because there, are, there is threat all around you. Sometimes life Feels that way, right? Sometimes you are in grave danger and you're not sure that this mother in is going to hold, right? They, and I just, my challenge, my encouragement to you is, is like, stay underneath the loving care of Jesus. I think when we, when we get scared and we're like, is this going to hold? Is this going to hold? We like freak out and like run out in, into the world and we're like, ah, you know, and it's done. <laughs> poof goes the baby chick. So we need to stay underneath and trust the strong love of God. We need to trust the strong keeping power of His grace and His mercy over us. We need to trust the, the work, His work on the cross, the redemption and the victory He's given us in His resurrection. And we need to trust in the hope that He returns to make all wrong things right. And we can weather this storm, whatever that is. So stay under His wings. He's going to fight for you. That chicken, no one is going to pass that mother chicken. He's going to fight for you. So let me just give you an opportunity to just respond. I would just like us to maybe close our eyes. And just as we started, moving from getting here to being here, we're here. The Holy Spirit desires to speak. He may be speaking to you. And so maybe there's someone that you've been called. uh, You're sensing God laying on your heart to invite into the experience of living life in the shelter of God's love. Maybe there's someone you need to bring some explanation to. They've experienced it, but they need the explanation. Maybe God's calling you to give your heart to Him, to repent and to believe, to come out from underneath the 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 threat of the world and the destructive path your sin takes, and to come underneath the way of Jesus. Just give you a moment to just. Reflect and sit. Lord Jesus, it's in your in your loving arms that we take refuge, that we seek shelter. God, we want to repent and turn from doing things our own way and going our own path and and, and just running from you, God. And we want to come and accept that invitation to come underneath your wings. I pray that we would. Thank you that your posture towards us is protection. Thank you that our sin brings you Sorrow, and your sorrow leads you to action. I pray that we would respond in gratitude. I pray that we would seek shelter under your wings. And I pray, God, that we would invite others to experience life, the security, the peace, the comfort that comes from life, living life under your wings, Lord, in Jesus' name. We also pray for this food that we're about to eat. Thank you for it. Thank you for Olive Garden. Amen. All right. So as we do each week, just want to give you a frame. What we do here as we eat together, we have a special treat, Olive Garden today. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. But what we do here is this is a really an extended time of preparation for the Lord's Supper. Soon we will be invited to eat at the Lord's table. And so I want you to take this seriously, that as we come to the table, we come as a forgiven people who are called to forgive people. And so people have offended you this week. I guarantee it. Someone has offended you this week, right? The question is, have you forgiven them? Are things right between you? If they're not, then you need to make it right and you've got time to make it right. So if that person is here, you can quietly or not so quietly make it right here. You can step outside, make a phone call, whatever you need to do. But let's uh, go ahead and line up and prepare the Lord's table and love one another. Amen.